you speak for me? Uh, one, two, one, oh, two. Perfect. perfect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fundamentalists podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan, and I'm here with Peter Rollins. Um, Pete, I have uh, spent the, uh, let's see, in the past two weeks, uh, I have done a wine tasting on, in Napa. Oh, very nice. I've attended the ugly, the world's ugliest dog competition. Who entered you? Hmm? Who entered you? That's great. Uh, people should be making that joke more often. About that. Um, I've done Disneyland, California Adventure, Star Wars, uh, Inside Disneyland, all these fun things. And that brings us to the topic of today's podcast, which is escapism. Now, here's the thing. Your favorite pastime. My favorite thing to do. Uh, the thing is, what is there to say about it? Everybody does some escapism every once in a while. We all have different forms. What do you make of it? What do you think? Are you wow. pro-escapism or are you pro-anti-escapism? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this when you brought, because this is one of your topics. You said this the other day. You said, yeah, Pete, kinda, you yeah, and you said your two favorite escapisms, which we'll get into later, which one is Vegas and one is Disneyland. Yes. They're two very di kind of different feels to them. You know, I had the thought when uh, I was at Disneyland that, man, when I go to Vegas, it's like I act like a kid and I'm here at Disneyland and it's like I'm an adult amongst, you know, children enjoying yeah. Disneyland and two different experiences, but both have this sort of, um, like you're in a bubble, like you're, that's your world and you get to do whatever you want and not think about anything and be around a bunch of other people who are all trying to have fun in both scenarios. However, one seems a little bit purer than <laughs> the other. And I'm, I think yeah. that's fun. What we, and is it the case that in both of them, if you spend more than like three days, you're going to want to die? Yeah, yeah that is I, the case. And there's something there, right? That's yeah. something to talk about. Yeah, because I was thinking that because they say that about Vegas, and it is true. When I've been to Vegas, kind of have a good time, but like by day three, I'm you like, can't I do can't it. do it. And I think Disneyland's probably the same. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, I mean, if not more so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we did... <sighs> We stayed on property, and so it was a hotel that when you can you can exit from oh, the hotel. I was hotel. hoping you just hid somewhere. That would be brilliant. You we, hid um, in the princess we castle. We stayed in the castle, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it was wonderful, yeah. and that place will never be the same again. It will never be clean. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was like you could leave the hotel and go out into the park and uh, whatever park you wanted to go into – and then come back to the hotel and chill for a second and go back in. But then you'd have to realize at some point that, oh, you haven't seen or thought about the outside world in a very long time. And yeah. then I was walking down Main Street. You know, I not, I mean, most people know this. I worked at Disney for quite a bit of time. As a young man, I was um, a friend of Goofy's. He's a good dude. I don't care what anybody says about him. He means well. He's and taking a lot of drugs by the seems of it. Like mm -hmm. a, he seems like he's taking a lot of LSD. That's why he something. can talk. He's yeah. a little bit weird. Yeah, that's yeah, what taught yeah. him language. Ah, uh, right. That's why Pluto can't talk and Goofy can. Oh, oh is this serious drug abuse? Serious drug okay. abuse. Okay, yeah, that's good part, But that's okay. We support him anyway. Um, mm. Yeah, and so it got me thinking about the topic of escape, but I didn't think about it too much beyond it. That's why you threw it over to me. I, I go, like that, which I'm very happy it? to say something. <laughs> what you, yeah. What's your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, go talk. Yeah, go, dude, I'll dude, drink. You got some. I'm going to have this thing. Yeah, because it is. Dude, it was so exhausting, and I walked more than maybe I've ever walked in my whole life, but it was, they know what they're doing. They know how to take you into this little fantasy land. Oh, yeah, because even when you're queuing, you're queuing in, like, a fantasy mm -hmm. land. Like, you're in this, in fact, it's probably better than the ride in some ways, you see. Well, here's the thing, Pete. Uh-huh. Not to go all braggy on you. Uh-huh. All right, but I can get, if I get excited about a particular trip or something, I can um, really quickly obsess over planning it. Ah. And so I obsessed over making sure we could actually go on these rides that I wanted to go on and not be, the lines are insane. It's like two hours. Oh, is that right? Well, for, did you get the fast passes? The fast passes, dude? Okay, all right. Now I watched, By the way, I watched a whole documentary on fast passes. Really? To which my friend Jay said, why don't they just give fast passes to everyone? It's like, I don't know if that's going to work. That's not but, how, yeah. Yeah, so Fast passes for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, then there's no fast passes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, there's something about economics in there, but I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't uh, understand. Yeah. But now it's so much worse because it's like 
okay, this is, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, and then if there's something in here that you mm. find interesting, it, it, feel free to jump in. Yeah, no, this is great. I like, well, at some stage, I'll talk a little bit about society and its discontents, but hey, that'll be for half an hour down the line. You, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming, coming yep. Uh, so now what they do is if you want to, okay, so it's so complicated. It is, have I, did we talk about this at no, all? No. It is crazy But I did watch a two-hour documentary on Fast Pass. Now that did you I, that, Did I mention that? Do you know what it's called? Um, no, it was, it was one of these YouTube ones. It was very good. And it was some guy who makes overly long kind yeah, of documentaries. Video essay type things, yeah. Well, I'll check. Yeah, send it to me because what they do now, okay, they're called lightning lanes, but there's two ways you can get them. One, fight is to the death. Fight to the death. Okay. You have to beat up one of the characters <laughs> and uh, force your way in. And so you can do the what's called a genie plus service that you can tack on to your ticket price. However, your ticket also has to have a reservation. You can't just have a ticket to the park and they let you in. You have to have a ticket and a ticket that lines up with the reservation. And then on top of that, you need to add the Genie Plus service. If you add the Genie Plus service, it can get you lightning lane access to many rides. However, it can't get you access to all of the rides, especially the most in-demand ones. Those are individual lightning lanes, which you can only book when you are in the park. So you cannot get, you cannot book any lightning lanes until they scan your ticket and they know that you're actually there. And those, the individual lightning lanes, cost like 18 to 20 bucks Per thing, so basically yeah. you're just getting nickel and dime the entire time. I don't know if you know this or not. Disney's very expensive, yeah. incredibly expensive, yeah. bonkers, and it all worked out perfectly to the point that basically we were not in a line at any point. Because is it because of the money we make on the fundamentalists at dot com slash Patreon? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> which feel free to sign up. It helps us pay for the editing of the thing. Have we, uh, have we, have we, have we ever taken money out? No, oh, we've never no. taken. So maybe there's millions in uh, there. Uh, no, Pete, we've <laughs> never taken money out. Whatever's in, no, yeah, uh, we we. You're rude, money. I have to. It's oh yeah, it's dog-eared or whatever. What yeah. is that called? Oh, dog-eared. Is that yeah yeah? Man, Just right. resting in your kind. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, mm. it's uh, a crazy experience. So if, if you pay enough, by the way, if you just if you come in with limitless money, can you kind of get to the front of the queue all the time? Sometimes, but you still got to be there. You got to time it right, and you still don't know what's gonna happen. Okay. It's like insane. However, I was so neurotic about it that I was like, we're going to get this. We're going to get in the park. Come on. Let's do this. All right. All right. And it, then it was super easy. And the trick is to go in the morning. Uh, but anyway, who cares? Yeah. The point being, um, Rise of the Resistance is the greatest ride I've ever been on. About. Oh, by the way, I have heard the podcasts about things like tips for things like Disneyland yeah. very well. So maybe that's where the direction we should go because you you obviously knew the tips. Now I know. Yeah. I know. You all, it, there's one tip and that's just spend more money than you could possibly imagine spending yeah. on anything. And you will have the most luxurious, fun, magical time. Or the tip, just don't go. Just Stay or home. stay home yeah, stay and home. cope with actual existence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, your, but your favorite ride was, did you mention it there? Look, man, this is, I don't know if anyone's going to find this interesting <laughs> at all, but I will say that Star Wars Rise of the Resistance is hands down the greatest ride I've ever been on. It's it right? blew me away. Wow. Just the, the, techn the technology? The technology like, and the immersiveness. I'm going to nerd out here on your first okay. second, Pete, okay? I like Star Wars. Okay. All Even right. the shitty, all the ones that happened after no. Return of the Jedi? No. And that's a lot of what the park is based on. It's kind of the newer movies. Okay, yeah. Um, and no, I'm not super into those movies. However, I, the lore of it and kind of, you know, I watched Kenobi. I didn't like it very much, but Mandalorian, I love all that. Original movies, love them. Rogue One, loved it. Great stuff. Sentimentally attached, nostalgic, wonderful things. But the, the cool thing, you have have you been there since they did the Star Wars land? No, no. All right. So because I'm not a child. Because you're not Sorry. a child. <laughs> See, that is such a not fair thing to say. Uh, there's there's very rarely a child in Disneyland that is not accompanied by at least one adult. Okay. So uh, but what they do for this land is there's no signage for it. They don't tell you where, like, oh, Galaxy's Edge is this way, because the whole idea is that it's an immersive place that these spaceships have landed here. Now you can childlike or not, seeing the Millennium Falcon in well, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool, and yeah. there's always little, you know, tie fires. And so basically, so it's a full size, full size little park. Can you go into it? The full size Millennium Falcon. 
Yeah. Can you actually get a go into it? They make it seem like that if you do the ride, but no, you don't actually okay. go into it. It's a big old problem. But um, it makes it, they do a great job. Okay. okay. I will say that. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is there's no Star Wars merch. You don't see the Star Wars logo anywhere. Mm-hmm. The, what they're called cast members at Disneyland. They are basically in character. And so, and then all the shops and stuff mm-hmm. are selling things that they would be selling in a Star Wars land. So if you get a toy, it's based in the Star Wars land. And they're, they're all like, uh, there's no, when you walk in, it's not like, welcome to Star Wars. Like, they act like it's just a thing uh, that you can pass through. Very cool. Rise of the Resistance, greatest ride. Did you fight time. Darth Vader? I saw Kylo Ren scared? and we had some words. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. um, he was, he, they, for some reason, they kept talking to the children instead of me, but for this, for <laughs> what I saw, it was pretty great. Uh, and the problem is because we did it in the morning. If you want to talk about escapism, going, getting up at 8 a.m. and walking into a Star Wars land and then having to like fight off the Empire and be rescued by the Resistance. What, uh, you're drunk? Is quite, yeah. I mean, or hungover. But <laughs> yeah. we, and that's the thing too. Disneyland doesn't have any, like, has no, basically nowhere you can get drinks. What about the hotel? Yeah, but it's, you know, there's a like one bar and it's not open very much. Okay. They don't open until super late. So it was very just like, truly they force you into this California adventure, however, everywhere. You can walk around, beer, whatever, cocktails. Anyway, go into, we got into the cantina, the Star Wars cantina pretty quick. I saw a picture of you in there. I think it was the cantina. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We, We sat down, dude, with the saddest people I have ever seen in my life and we managed to get like the reservations probably like 10 30 or something and do the walk up list and we were able to everything worked really smoothly yeah i'm enjoying this way too much this is brilliant i feel like i'm there this is great keep going (laughs) the drinks are um you can drink there yeah that's one of the like two or three areas in disney you can drink all right and then i got us reservations for a restaurant called blue bayou which is part of the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean ride. We can okay. pass through it, but it's a nice restaurant, and that was a, a pleasant experience. And they give you like a drink there or whatever. But the Star Wars drinks are Star Wars themed, mm-hmm. and there's an android that is functions as a DJ the entire time, and all wow. across the, the ceiling is containers of Star Wars mythological animals breathing, like aquariums, basically. Filled with just the saddest families in the world, just the most <laughs> exhausted people, and it was so wonderful. So we had a drink there, left, did Rise of the Resistance, incredible experience. Did a bunch of other rides. Splash Mountain. Here's the thing with Splash Mountain. You know what Splash Mountain is? I can. I think the secrets in the title. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Uh, you can. It's called Context Quiz. Yeah. I got sat in the front, and the children got sat in the back. So that means because it's a log flume, I apparently was maybe the heavier person on okay. the ride. I got more soaked than I've ever been soaked on any water ride in my life. It oh. felt aggressive and it felt personal and I was offended by it. And uh, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. And now I'm still trying to readjust back to life and be like, what all happened? So Yeah, yeah, wow, very good. Have you done anything regarding <laughs> escapism lately, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> anything at all? Have you gotten anything. out of here? Yeah, can I? That's up to you. Well, I'm no, happy to... Me. No, I mean, yeah, maybe. That's up to you. No. I'm keeping the podcast entertaining. <laughs> I'm really riding on a unicycle here. <laughs> You're, yeah, you've done a very good job. Yeah. So what do you think about escapism? Okay, yeah. So um, that's, a, yeah. And when I'm thinking about that, obviously, good old Freud, Dr. Freud, um, that... Sigmund. Sigmund. Good old Sigmund. And he his famous book, Civilization and Its Discontents, which basically argues that civilization is inherently discontent. To be human, to be part of civilization, is to be inherently dissatisfied to some extent. It's, it's, in, it's ontological. It's part of reality. So how, why would you build a civilization if you were... Exactly. Bastard? Well, that, that's it. I, yeah, very good point. Um, the name for that in anthropology is the incest taboo. Which is the incest taboo? Yeah, the incest. Why do you got to make it perverted immediately? I'm talking about (laughs) Disney. Yes. (laughs) Well, yeah, the incest taboo. It names it names the reality that you can't stay at your mother's breast privately enjoying. You have to go out into the world and find a substitute enjoyment. Yeah. And be public and become a and and enter into civilization. So 
That's yeah. why you will never find a civilization that doesn't have the incest taboo. That's why it's universal. You know, that's, you know, you cannot find a civilization without the yeah. incest taboo. Basically, without the thing of you cannot stay at your mother's breast. You have to move from private enjoyment to public enjoyment and to substitutionary enjoyment. Um, but then that means that we're all marked by, you know, they call it an analysis castration. The child is frustrated. The frustration becomes privation. The privation is experienced as castration, which ultimately you, means... Were, was that a poem? That was beautiful. Was that good? That sounded like a little rap. Oh, yeah, no way. Yeah, it was yeah. nice. Anal it's philosophy rap, maybe. That's, we should go into that. Castration, frustration. Or, yeah, frustration, privation, castration. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. So the Wu child's frustrated at the mother's breast because it's not always there. <laughs> then the privation of love. And then the castration where it realizes it can't always get the love of the other. There's something missing that can't, they can't get the love. And where does Mickey Mouse fit into this? Well, Mickey Mouse. I think Mouse. I know. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? Um, well, it's a return of the, the return to the repressed. Yeah, well, you know what? I suppose you could say it is an imaginary, yes, an imaginary return to the breast is maybe Mickey Mouse is kind of, so... I was thinking that the reason why I was saying this is escapism. One way of thinking of escapism is what we do to try to avoid the dissatisfaction of civilization by imagining, by going in, into an imaginary world without antagonism, where things are simple. Yes. And things are, yeah. Okay, hold on. Okay. Is that why? Okay, so you're saying going to Disney, Mickey, all this stuff is going back to the the Freudian mother's breast, the you know place of comfort, the private enjoyment, right? Yeah, fantasized private enjoyment that never really existed, but we think it did retroactively. Is that why Mickey's ears are so big and round? Oh. Welcome to the fundamentalist. <laughs> You know, I wonder whether there's lots of like very maternal imagery to lots of things that are like, you know, whether it's McDonald's or. Yeah. Um, what is it? Mobile. The logo of mobile, I've heard, is a sexual image. Is that right? That. Yeah. Because um, M's are very kind of obviously have a breast like look to them. Well, I think it's the, um, the O, the red mm -hmm. O. And all that. I don't know if it's a breast uh, thing, but it seems. It oh, yeah. I don't know. No, I was thinking of the breast thing with McDonald's and then Mickey Mice, and, but not yeah. Exxon. I didn't know about that one. Exxon, did you say? No, mobile, like no. the gas station mobile. Oh, right. What were they trying to go for? I don't know. But an was, anal thing? It might have been an anal thing, yeah. All oh, right, okay. I mean, I don't know if they were trying to go for it. Yeah, yeah. I don't I heard it somewhere, and please don't quote me on it, but because um, I don't think that any of that made sense. But yeah, all the yeah. photos and stuff. Can, yeah, maybe yeah. it is. Um, but then, yeah, so escapism like, is, in a way, with, Mc, with Mickey Mouse and all that shit, is maybe a way to... Well, it's Mickey Mouse and friends, okay? What's that? It's not it's Mickey Mouse and all that shit. It's Mickey Mouse and his friends. And his friends. Is that right? Is that what they say? No, I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> but it's a, it's a way, like, you're going into a world where everything's simple, opposition between good and bad, everything's kind of like antagonism is minimized. Yep. We all want a little bit of that in our lives, but escapism is when we try to avoid the antagonisms of life by retreating into a fantasized imaginary world. And I guess things like Vegas and Disneyland and all of that provide a way for us to be able to do that to some yeah. extent. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, nothing wrong with it, you say. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it as long as it doesn't, as long as you don't. Um, like the, the, the issue for me is that it does tend towards private enjoyment. You know, you kind of like, it's almost like it's difficult for us to deal with the toxicity of other people, the antagonisms of dealing with real life and all of its discontents. And if we kind of like, avoid finding pleasure in that antagonism with real life with the symbolic world and we start to become fantasists and we kind of retreat into our imaginary then that is a problem um <clears throat> this brings up a subject that i hesitate to talk about because it would be uh not fair for me to not well okay i'll bring it up with a preface 
I, for a pretty long time, was you know, a Disney kid. You yeah. know, I loved it. I had a yeah. great time, especially having done the goofy stuff and then, you know, being able to... Um, Were you in a Disney show? I did a parade once or twice. Okay, but not a TV thing? I, for no, some reason, Nickelode- I did a Nickelodeon commercial. Ah, okay, okay. Um, same idea, but Nickelodeon's a little no, cooler. Nickelodeon's got a little edge to them, or at least yeah. they did back in my day. Now they don't have so much. But anyway, were you smoking or something? Not? Yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah, it was yeah, hard. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a bit edgy. Bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so I was a Disney person for quite a bit of time. All right, and I still can appreciate it. But boy, I tell you, Pete, yeah. when I was in Disneyland. This most recent time. Sometimes, I guess, you get older. Uh-huh. And the magic that you once thought was so palpable. Yeah. You recognize as wholly manufactured, if not a bit propaganda-y. Yeah. And there is a level of propaganda uh, in Disneyland, especially yeah. like uh-huh. Main Street, that is so undeniable mm-hmm. and also so sometimes undeniably enjoyable like uh. the image they paint uh, that walt disney wanted to paint of america is the most like not reality at all mm-hmm. and the most like boy aren't we great boy yeah. isn't this great i don't have a problem with it however if you get past a certain age i guess you kind of go even if I don't have a problem with it, it's still not. I I still can't help but see it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, because this is this would be my main problem with escapism is that it reduces contradiction to opposition. In the words of Todd McGowan, in that somewhere say like again, what reduces? reduces contradiction to opposition. Nice. So nice, what nice. what you have in something like Disneyland is a very clean and nice way of understanding reality where there's goodies and there's baddies and the baddies are there and we fight the baddies and here are the goodies and it creates a very like it's a very um uh intoxicating view of the world yeah very intoxicating great yeah. word great word choice yeah but it doesn't reflect anything re- anything reality at all at all in fact and the more you think like that i to be honest for me the more dangerous it becomes. Like the more oh. you see the world in terms of Disneyland esque ideology. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that is um, the point I was I was kind of getting mm. at, which I was I beating around the bush. But uh, Disney, because <laughs> Grace had a couple moments. Uh, I went with someone. I was trying to make sure my partner had a good time at Disney. Yeah. I didn't want to make it seem like because the truth is. Not to give too much information about our dynamic, but she could give a flying F about anything regarding Disney. Right? Yeah. I grew up watching Disney. She grew up want, watching like Monty Python, which I've never oh, heard of. Oh, yeah. Monty Python's great. Yeah. Um, and then she like went into comics, you know, whatever. You can't help everybody. But yeah. uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't get that like kind of nostalgic thing. And that's juxtaposed against these people who are like, really disney people like yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. see them and yes. they are like we dude okay all right i wasn't going to talk about this but i'm gonna talk about it. i don't know if you know there's or not about me but i can get kind of offended by very small things sometimes small mean? injustices that i see in real time that really can affect that really grinds my gears a little bit and i saw some people like skipping in line and i didn't like it i thought it was kind of crappy and they're like adults it's one thing if it's a kid you know whatever oh yeah no it would annoy me like oh yeah yeah the problem is they were directly in front of us and i you know late in the day and i was tired and i started talking about it and uh Mm. and i was like i asked when we got on the ride i was like i don't want (laughs) to go with those <laughs> it's like can we get on the next ride i don't want to go get on the ride with those people and i think they were like giggling about how well they cheated the system and uh for some reason it bothered me and i i should have just let it go as i was told you know by grace she was informed like, it's really not a big deal I was like yeah yeah but you know two people this is right and wrong you know for some reason it was a hill following I was them on. home was a little much what following them home was a little much exactly yeah. Dude, in, okay so there's more to this story <laughs> okay <Anyway>. so <laughs> more I, than you can tell on the podcast no <laughs> yeah exactly the, the, they haven't filed charges yeah. so uh i was like 
I'm not gonna. I was like, I just, I was like, it's a bad. Don't, don't be bad. Don't be rude. Like we're all in this together. We we all know it sucks, and that we're all getting nickel and dimed. Don't cheat the system. Did they you. knew you were annoyed by like were yep. you talking loudly? Yep. Yeah, you were like, yep. yeah. And yeah. that's where I went wrong. <laughs> and then I said, no, I'm not going to get on the ride with these people. It was River Rapids. Okay, uh-huh. I didn't want to be, which is a round tube that you get in that everyone you have to stare at each other. I was like, I'm not going to stare. I'm not going to sit there and be like, now that I've talked shit about you the entire yeah. time, I'm not going to like look at you. And so we ended up getting on the ride with the most Catholic family I have ever met in mm. my life. The most wow. conservative Catholic family that seemed like the dad, no offense, seemed like truly a, a repressed human being. Okay, and yeah. we started talking, we're having fun. They were so sweet. We had a great time. But they're, they were Disney people. They were Disney to like How did you know they were repressed Catholics? Did they have like crucifixes? They told us oh, right. they were Catholics, like <laughs> okay. really early on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and the kids were like just these just sad sad kids, oh. like just really <laughs> sick. And uh, it was very funny. But then I was like, oh, this is, it's like this goes back to the last episode of there being a sense of humor that's inherent in the world. But I was like, man, I tried so hard not to be with the people that were being crappy that I got with the people that are are too pure and good for me to be able to handle but they were disney people that were uh it, it made me uncomfortable that they were such disney, disney. Uh, yeah. it, it weirds me out when you get too into disney like like they were wearing what the 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 mini mini mice hats they might as well they, have been yeah. and ju- they just knew everything yeah, they'd been yeah. here a thousand times they were gonna and they were just very, um, even the posture and everything yeah. was very like the the they were like androids. Like they looked at us like uh, robot. There was no yeah. not a lot of life behind the uh, the eyes. And yeah. I'm not coming at Catholics here. This is a specific type of they're uh, all religious people. <laughs> it's not just Catholics. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and please don't think they are Catholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's everybody. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> no, it's really the Disney people, which is its yeah. own kind of religion. religion and it freaks yeah. me out. Yeah, and it, it like. It is a kind of reli- like religion and its kind of um, primitive superstition, superstitious dimension is uh, is all about purity, who's in, who's out, who's clean, who's unclean, who's moral, who's immoral. And primitive forms of religion draw very tight lines about that so that you know what yes. you know, what's clean, what's Good, unclean. Bad. And Disney is a type of secular purity culture. Like I mean, now it's playful, but it's. You, you're immersed in like there's the people in black, right? That's Darth Vader, body, you know. Bad, bad, bad. Yeah, white good. Well, yeah. Although the white storm stormtroopers are white, but they're kind of. But you can tell, like you know, there's evil dimensions mm-hmm. to them. They even have like a Klux Klan kind of vibe to them. But then you've got the goodies, and uh, so there's there's a way in which it does feel a little bit like a primitive religion. Yeah. Just to end this yeah. little bit, mm-hmm. so I felt kind of bad about people knowing I was upset with their bad behavior. Yeah. All right. I don't know where the moral line is here. However, I did will. Did they say anything? Did what? They didn't, but here's the thing, dude. This is the craziest part. <laughs> the next day, uh, these are big parks. Yeah. I made that reservation to do this restaurant at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. We're in the lobby, waiting to be taken to our table. We finally get sat at our table, and Grace goes, um, did you see that your park nemesis <laughs> is here? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'd forgotten entirely. Yeah. About yeah. It. And she's like, oh, no, um, uh, the whole group from <laughs> the River Rapids ride uh, <laughs> walked in, uh, and they're right beside us. And uh, I was like, what? And she's like, I was like, no, I didn't notice at all. And she was like, well, they clocked you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Listen, we all have to have a cause. I mean, some people fight for, like, you know, yeah. fight against war. Some people yeah. fight economic disparity. Some people are against fascism. Yeah. I don't like when people skip ahead of the river rapids. Yeah, yeah, listen, man. You all got to draw a line in the sand like, somewhere. Whatever. I was like, of course, of all the places. And by the way, this is not a restaurant that people frequent. It Like, you have to plan to go to this thing. And yeah. it's a tight window to get in. Of course, that's where uh, they show up. Well, and civilization will collapse if people can't queue. That's a very British thing that they knows. And that, by the way, and that is the difference between private enjoyment 
where your enjoyment is divorced from the enjoyment of everybody else. Queuing is a type of a, a, a mutual agreement that we're orchestrated. Yeah. So whenever you queue, you're like, we're all orchestrated. We're all somehow dissatisfied a little bit. We all have to do this. Then someone comes along with their private enjoyment who thinks that they're an exception that they're not that's it that's, that's it that's it yeah. okay yep yeah you know what? i'm gonna call grace right now we're gonna get her on the phone because uh, <laughs> she yeah. she brought up a really good point which is like we're all getting <laughs> we're all getting so screwed over uh here like financially <clears throat> that like who cares if one person like, gets it and i was like but it's not hurting the company i was like you're only just taking other people's spots like and then that's not you know and I was like, blah, blah, blah. it was yeah, just yeah. a bunch of um i just felt like a little uh yeah, no, 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 dork yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, it's also like there is a sense in which if someone's playing loud music in their car, like you're walking down the street and loud music and they've got the window down, um, sometimes that can be weirdly disturbing because the person's private enjoyment is invading you. Now, why you know? do I have to? Yes. Yeah. And so How dare you? Yes. And like their private jouissance there is like is invading your space, but also someone's skipping a queue, even if it doesn't take much more time of yours because they just did it straight in front of you doesn't affect you it's their private enjoyment that that's divorced from the public sphere is somehow disturbing and this is like without getting on my bandwagon here but this is the religion of contemporary society is there used to be a religion of prohibition which is we're all castrated except for one exception, you know, usually God or whatever, but there's one exception to the prohibition. But we live today in the God of the demand to enjoy, which is this demand to have pleasure, enjoyment, private enjoyment. Um, and it's everywhere in social media, the, the demand to enjoy, which is very oppressive. It's a God of the demand to enjoy. Um, and it creates incivility because the more people embrace their private enjoyment, the more it pisses off everybody else, the more jealousies and envies and um, lack of civility. But whose arises. fault is that? Is it not like just okay for people to have their private enjoyment, even if it encroaches on other people's? Like, is it should people? I don't know. Should everyone have a universal rule of keeping your private your private enjoyment private? Yeah, but if if private enjoyment is a fiction, so it's ultimately doesn't work. <clears throat> like even if you privately enjoy a computer game and you're you don't engage with the public, you still probably want if you get a good score to share it, right? If there's a sense in which there is no such thing as private enjoyment, the castration basically the incest taboo is real, right? That you can't privately enjoy. Your enjoyment is always connected to your neighbor. Your your enjoyment is always connected to the social world then the fiction or the escapism of private enjoyment is a, is a fiction. It doesn't exist. It's not real. Um, I don't know, man. If I listen to Weezer uh, with other people, I enjoy it a lot less. But you I, do talk about Weezer a lot. So you obviously there's just a really public dimension to it. Yeah. If you really love Weezer privately, we wouldn't know that you're banging on about Weezer all the time. Mm, no, I do enjoy it privately. Yeah. I enjoy it privately more than I enjoy it with other people. Because if I listen to it around other people, then they remind me that it's not that good. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, you heard about the uh, law in Florida that just got passed, my home state? Oh, no. Um, it's a new law that you can be ticketed for playing your music uh, too loud in your car. Oh, um, so if people can, other yeah. people can hear it, then you can uh, get a ticket for it. Now, my see, this is where we'll get maybe a little bit of a difference. Is uh, I can guarantee you that that law will affect uh, certain demographics more than others, and there's no way to prove whatever decibel thing. Okay, yeah, uh, and it's gonna have a negative effect. But um, at the same time, I'm sure everyone's excited about it because everyone loves the idea that you can punish the person that's privately enjoying something that you're not yeah. getting a piece of. But this is like, so that's a great thing. I didn't know about this, but that's a great example of what I'm talking about because technically, right, and uh, there's a great book, The End of Dissatisfaction, about this, uh, Todd McGowan's book, but um, is that uh, conservatives are, are generally a conservative position is one in which 
they they understand very deeply the danger of the god of the demand to enjoy so so within progressive and liberal circles there is there is a a real demand to enjoy right um conservatives are generally the ones who say no there needs to be prohibitions so for example sex yeah. should be within, the, the within marriage what's up tap the brakes tap the brakes yes hate it yes tap the so and sex within marriage Rap music within the car. Yes. That knowing. So, no, but the thing isn't where I disagree is, but I would say that like conservatives here are correct in the sense that they are, they are correctly perceiving a issue with the God of the demand to enjoy. However, it's misappropriated. Uh, so basically yeah, yeah, what, yeah, 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 what yeah, happens yeah. within conservatism is generally because you, you see this like with the, with the jesus freaks right so if you go back to the 1960s all the the acid heads the acid heads all became jesus freaks right they all retroactively Not sought a prohibition them, a lot of them right what's that a lot of them yeah 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 culturally speaking the the there acid heads became yeah, a very strong movement towards prohibition what i would say is the society of the demand to enjoy always creates a reactionary uh attempt to mm. put in new prohibitions. So whenever you have the demand to enjoy, it creates so much anxiety within society that a nostalgic or a fascistic uh, response always is generated. So in any society of the demand to enjoy, you will find- An undercurrent. Yeah, not, well, yeah and, and not even an undercurrent, it will- Or an answer. An answer, yeah. And what you'll see, and you'll see this in America in the next, I would say, eight years, you will see a return to the, the the god of prohibition, right? You'll see. Oh, you think? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think we're not headed there? <laughs> yeah, but but it is. Then this is where I would like. I'm very different from identitarians. Is that is the product of progressivism? Progressivism creates its reactionary mm. response. Now there is. I a, don't know if it creates it. Okay, I don't know if it creates it. Creates it. Yeah, that's why I, I say because it creates about, so much it's anxiety. Like a chicken and egg kind of deal. No, so I would say that the more that you see others, now not really, but the more there's a demand to enjoy and you see, for example, on social media enjoyment and you see other people enjoying, the more you see private enjoyment, the more you can't deal with the toxicity of the other, et cetera, et cetera, the more likely you are going to be ultimately to respond to a new prohibition and new conservatism. So new conservatism kind of, I would say mm-hmm. always, always results because it's a way of repre- or It's a way of containing anxiety. The anxiety of enjoyment is will always be found in new prohibitions, new laws. There is an answer, right. but I have to listen to this episode again myself <laughs> to see what I think about it. But okay, uh, yeah. yes, but the the answer for I me, like what you're saying. Okay, yeah. the The answer, and this is why I'm not a progressive. Whatever is the answer is that. Everyone's castrated, including reality itself. There is no exception to the prohibition. So the the conservative God is the one, God is accepted from the incest to be. God is the one who is whole, complete, enjoys without limit. And we, when we get to heaven or whatever, or create the new society, we can enjoy entirely. So we can get rid of the incest to be. Then there is the God of the demand to enjoy, which is, no, we can all enjoy. We can all have what we want, which creates anxiety. The third position, which I think is the right position, is, no, no, there is a prohibition or there is antagonism built into reality itself. Mm-hmm. And once you accept that and that there is no unfrustrated other, in God or ideal state or whatever, you're freed from fascism and you're freed from uh, the God of the demand to enjoy. I just wanted to talk about Star Wars. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But now, since we're on this Uh, tangent, um, something that has been, uh, and I I think I followed most of what you're, you're saying, but something that I've, noticed or and i'm not saying this is and you don't have to agree with me you can be wrong if you want oh, well, i have to yeah, yeah. understand you before <laughs> yes. i can disagree with you uh but i've noticed this past month mm-hmm. um <clears throat> maybe it's just me noticing my attention is on it so maybe it's not you know really an objective observation but the amount of uh i would use the word reactionary 
um, sentiments toward things like Pride Month or mm-hmm. Pride Parades and all that stuff seems to me to be insane. Like, the amount – it's like, first of all, who, who gives a crap? Second of all, I've, I've, I've seen these things, and I, I've, I know these people, and they're fun and wild and crazy and weird, and I think it's wonderful. But there is such a weird – it feels like a resurgence of this kind of um, conservatism, basically, being like – you can't. Uh, it's like everyone woke up one day like, what, there's drag queens? And it's like, who – this has been going on forever, and somehow right now there seems to be just this real focused uh, hatred of people, you could say – Playing their music too loud in their car, yes. uh, going on a parade yes. and being with drags and you know yes. but if, going if, wild yes. and people but go. If you're a dia- <laughs> yes, but if you're a dialectic, like this is where like it all makes total sense from a from a psychoanalytic perspective. Is that is it? And I, this is where I have to resist painting one side as morally bad and the other is morally good. What you're this seeing is, is <clears throat> yes. this is your rise of the resistance. Yeah, no, this is yeah, this is this is where you go like if if we live in the age of the demand to enjoy. And by that, I mean that within social media and within even pride parades and all of that, people pretend to be having excessive enjoyment. And I use the word pretend because, of course, no one is, right? But there is... I a, don't know. Yeah. But, 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 but let's go, with, go with this theory for a second. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that, there's, um, that there's a certain sense in which in order to sell products or to kind of attack the other or to whatever we engage in certain basically where it used to be where adverts pretended Mm -hmm. to enjoy right but now in social media we pretend to enjoy so you go onto social media people Mm. i see it even here in this apartment you go downstairs people are adverts still pretend to enjoy it well yes they do but they just also outsourced it to people who create their own adverts and you pretend do our to job. enjoy. Yeah. So everyone's doing it now. Whereas I said it was constrained to advertising. So with global capitalism, basically, with global capitalism, that this command to enjoy is globalized, right? Now, if that's the case, which you know, if that's the case that there is a certain kind of like within society, um, this super egoic injunction to enjoy, then it obviously makes sense that there will be a reactionary return to the God of Prohibition. Like, that just always happens. Yes. It has to happen by definition. That, that, but, okay, I get yeah, on, on board with really that. Yeah. And, but if that's the case, then you go like, they're dialectically intertwined. You, they're absolutely interconnected. It's not like, why is this happening in response to this? It's going like, oh no, they're dialectically completely intertwined. You have to enter into this psychoanalytic insight in order to get to a third stage. I still go back to the chicken and egg thing, though. I don't necessarily, I mean, yeah, you can look at it as they're all, that side's reacting to that side, and that side is reacting yes. to that side, but it is intertwined. It's like a little DNA strand, yeah. and but at the same time... But, uh, but, but, the, but at the very beginning of the chicken and egg, because chicken and egg is not actually a chicken and egg, because chicken and egg is like, oh yeah, the egg comes from the chicken, the chicken comes from the egg, but from an evolutionary perspective, you can answer the thing. In the Freudian thing, is like, the progressivism and reactionism are chicken and egg. But if you go right back to the beginning and say that discontent is is inherently part of reality itself, then go, oh, right. So what happens at first? Society experiences everyone's castrated, with one exception being God. And then the exception becomes the rich person. And then the exception becomes your neighbor. And then the exception becomes like everyone's enjoying except for you. Then we enter into, you know, contemporary era, which is the God of the man to enjoy, which then generates a nostalgic, sometimes fascistic return to the God of the man to enjoy. Hold on, yeah. Obviously, this is what happened for this thing, and this thing, and this, then it allows you to have a, a, 
even on this investment. Well, no, so I would say, so within the gods, right? Hold on. <laughs> Very good. But the, within, so within the God of the, of the prohibition, right, which, and by the way, so just to reiterate, like when I say the God of prohibition, what I mean is society that is based on the idea that we all are disputed. We all have to sacrifice in order to be, you know, there's a sacrifice we all participate in, except for one exception, right? The God of prohibition is, there's, Freud called it the primordial father. There's one exception, and Today, we might go, oh, you know, some rich person or whatever, but traditionally, Elon, God, Elon Musk, whatever. But, but traditionally, you know, God is the exception, and also heaven. When we get to heaven, we all, whatever. Then, when you move to the God of the demands you enjoy, um, you move into this idea that we can, we can get over our prohibition, we can enjoy, we can enjoy the excess. For me, both of those are escapes from the truth. So in the first, it's like, I can get to heaven and then everything will be good. In the second, if only I had what my neighbor had, if only I had the lifestyle they had, the money they had, the person they had, then that'd be good, right? What I'm saying is, when you realize that discontent is, is woven into the very fabric of reality, you can't escape. There is no escapism. What you have to do is say, we work with the discontent that we have we try to make life as good as possible, but there is no exception. There is no, there is no exception to the rule of trauma. Trauma is part of being human. I guess I, I hear what you're saying, and I think it's a very good point. I just wonder why it always ends up being against the same people over and over and over again. Like, oh, your car, you're playing too, you, your music's too loud in your car, uh, and you know you blast your bass and whatever. Upset by that, and that's a you know demographic, and then you know the gays doing prize as too much, and it, you know it always ends up being the same people. But I know you don't want to go into any kind of identitarian thing. It's just interesting that it always seems to be certain identifiable groups. That yeah, well, that's because people, 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 you know, like it's a sad thing about humans is that. The racist shit. Um, yeah, no, we, we, not they, we are racist shit. Like when identity. Yeah, we're racist. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even saying, I mean, you're implying that black people are kind of like kind of uncivil, which, you know, that's. Wait, what? Like, well, well, by playing their music too loud. Is that what no, you're I'm saying? saying that it's perceived as that. Okay. I think that, that, that I think they're, you know, codifying certain laws to make it so that. Because the Irish, the Irish are going to be crazy. See, when the Irish get drunk, they're loud and boisterous. Like, I don't think any. Any race of people has yeah. There's, a, no, there's no laws going against that are going to hyper Irish people. Yeah, I'm talking about like yes. embedded systemic yeah. racist but, stuff. Though. Yeah, but what? Yeah, and that for me, right? And that is for you. Would that would yeah. go to the idea that you shy away from that? Where I'm like, I get what you're saying. I think it's true. Well, it's very so, like you've got, no, it, you've got to get to a structural. Like so, for example, whenever you hear something like that law, like. Structurally speaking, you go, okay, what is that law attempting to do? And that law is attempting to constrain the anxiety of a perceived jouissance of the other. Like, that's what it is. Like, mm. you can go to a very superficial level. Like, if you read Huffington Post or the New York Times or something, you're going to get a very different reading. But if you're academically speaking, you go, you go to what is underlying it. Now, it's not that the Washington Post doesn't have an insight, but I mean, it doesn't have an insight. You go, I think if you go to the academic historic, history or uh, history department, uh, we found that his story, uh, <laughs> it, you, you'd find a, 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 in yeah. American history, you know, that these things aren't just purely structurally psychological, but they are, of course, they fit within that. Yeah. Do, however, I have a uh, difficult time yes. thinking that it's just purely like, you know, all contradiction and we're all contradict. Like, it, it seems like a very easy answer when the history of the nation has a tendency to... Well, I, I agree with that. Like, there's always be a concrete, imaginary representation of these things. So it might be the Jewish community, it might be the black right. community, it might be the Western community. It, like, it might be like, scapegoat. There's always a scapegoat. So that happens, but what I'm saying is the scapegoat is what's universal. Who embodies the scapegoat? does fluently change it. That's not something that's, like, what's, it, what's universal is the scapegoat mechanism. It's not universal as in, yes, universal to escapism is the, is the scapegoat mechanism. 
But historically, contingently, who occupies that does does change. Yeah, you know? We're pretty good at it. I think we're pretty consistent here. Yeah. Like, I think in this nation, at least we're pretty, we're doing pretty good keeping it the same people over and over again. It seems that way anyway. I mean, I don't know. It just, it blows my mind that it, it, it always, and it doesn't feel to me like these things are constant. Like it doesn't feel, the, the ebbs and flows that happen are wild to me. And I don't know, I'm not a sociologist. I don't know what the cause and effect is. Uh, but there seems to be some kind of push and some or some sort of panic it, right now that really confuses me. And I know that it's I can see how it fits in the psychoanalytic framework, but I can also see that it uh, seems to be just a panicky uh, mentality from a lot of conservative folks who can't handle the idea that society is different than what they want. Yeah, but then, but, but what I'm saying is, yes, no, no, but what, what I'd say you're doing is, is non dialectic. You're, you're seeing conservatives not as that, you're seeing that position not as an eruption that arises out of a position. You're seeing it as, like, you're kind of going, like, why is it certain people think like this? But if, if one thinks dialectically, if you go, like, if, for example, you go that, that, a society of the demand to enjoy always retroactively creates a society of prohibition. Then you see how conservatives and progressives are dialectically related. Like you can see, and yeah. the, the only the only reason why I'm saying that is like I do see. Well, I've said this for years. You know this. Like I think America is in a very bad way, right? And I've said you know I've said that for years. Okay. And that, um, and I think it's getting it bears worse. repeating. But it bears repeating, you know. Um, but it's not because, I, like, somehow I had a crystal ball. It's just very obviously there's going to be, like, just very obvious. Is once you understand how this structure works, it's really obvious what's going to happen, um, and it's not pretty. Yeah. And until we are able to, for me, until we're able to, kind of offer a genuine, and for me, what what it is is a. Uh, a properly, I would say, like understanding the that everything is divided. Until we can kind of like at a structural level, a political level, express that we're we're going towards other well, civil war. I, I yeah, uh, we are. But I would say that uh, I agree. But that is an idea that I don't think can be processed until people's like material. Conditions are improved yes. on a very broad scale, and it seems to me that there that that's not going to happen uh, anytime soon because there's no way anybody can go. Oh, why well, see? We're all just uh, contradictions, and everything is contradiction <laughs> when like everything's falling apart around them. So until the the system can change in a way that benefits people, then uh, we're going to keep having uh, all these all these times, all these news articles. Does it feel a little crazy? I mean, are you like? Keeping up on all the things it feels exhausting. It's like every day, my God. Yeah. What What today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is exhausting, but as I say, I, I, in terms of the cultural sphere, I just I see it as equally bad on both sides. Like, like I see that. I, I like it's funny when if you watch YouTube, you can get caught up in like if you watch only one set of videos, you can see the world in one way. One set of videos, the other, the other way. Doing this Tammy Faye documentary is really interesting because I see the madness of both sides. Because you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at kind of like how these two worldviews see each other and how they're completely divorced. They think they're divorced from each other. So but for me they're completely interconnected. Like yeah. Yeah. And and there are exceptions. I think there are like there are some people out there. In YouTube, for example, who are doing very positive work, but there's not there's not many. Yeah. yeah. You like, but you like. I was thinking about this earlier today. It's like, man, they're having super into Sam Seer, everybody likes Sam Seer. Or oh, yeah. And then you're more of a Jim Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Seer, yeah, yeah, that's a fun difference. Well, though, this and this is interesting. That right? says a lot. We should. <laughs> this is yeah, definitely. Um, we're gonna and this 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 is our attempt to cross the divide because. We are very close friends, but have a slightly different reading of contemporary cultural uh, yeah. 
events, and we should explore that more in this podcast. Well, in a way, which hopefully we don't get cancelled in the process. Oh, oh <laughs> uh, never mind. Hey, I'll tell you something off, uh, offline. All right, um, escapism. What do you think of the big? Oh yeah, in moderation. Escape in moderation, but uh, but. But you know why you're right? Because I've done so much escapism over the past two weeks. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I don't know if I... You've got to escape from escapism. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Good time. Uh, What's your takeaway? I gotta listen to it again uh, to you know, gather what you said, but um, I'm not gonna listen to it again. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed this episode very much. Yeah, this is fun. I it's, feel like we're touching on things. We're yeah. touching on it because it's everything is so right under the surface right now that it's yeah. very difficult to we could have done a podcast on Furbies and it still would have ended up talking about some of the bigger issues that are going on so I would just say that uh, my goal is to just kind of keep paying attention but my goodness to be honest with you I am not optimistic at all about the trajectory that this country is headed in and it saddens me and makes me upset and a little nervous and by the way, one of the reasons why I think the conservative response will always fail, and this is important, I'm maybe say this, uh, is that the conservative response, you cannot go back to the God of Prohibition um, because, if you notice this about religious leaders, they'll say things like, you should have sex within, within the confines of marriage because that's what makes it more fun. In other words, even whenever conservatives try yeah. to enact prohibitions, it's in it's in uh, submission to the God of the demand. It's still in the context of yeah. there will be more later. And yeah. It'll yes. be even, even better. Yeah. And, and the, the, the issue for me then is that we genuinely live in the age of the gods of the, of the demand to enjoy. You can't escape it. You cannot go back. So even conservatives who, and, and intelligent conservatives all understand this. So any intelligent conservative is basically saying no this this god of the demand to enjoy pure enjoyment and excess creates anxiety uh, incivility creates this increase of private enjoyment uh d- diminishes and frays social bonds all of that so any any intelligent conservative will say that but where i think they go wrong is in a nostalgic attempt to return to prohibition which then always is in danger of becoming kind of this very perverse nostalgia and fascism. And, and, only, and the return to whatever they're thinking of was never really a thing. Yeah, well, although I think before globalized capitalism, it was possible to have a society of a prohibition where literally you could not be constrained by happiness, where you could literally go, no, we're all in this together. Like, I, I do think there were times in the past where there were greater social bonds and all that. I just don't think you can go back now. The only way is to go forward, and the way to go forward is to realize that that even the even the people who look like they're enjoying aren't. So, for example, first it would be very it's very good for conservatives to see that that this seeming enjoyment that they feel is going on all around them, the success of enjoyment of say people not working and getting free money, or coming to from their terrible country to this amazing country to get free healthcare. <laughs> you know, get free healthcare, but you know, free everything. But you know, oh, or, that's a very yeah, yeah. But or or these people like the conservative, the fundamentalist preacher, he's talking about you know, the pride parades where everyone's having sex, sex, sex. Yeah, yeah. Which which is a veil. They don't veiled. recognize that those people are also just people, and that they also have a contradiction within them. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. themselves aren't walking around every day going, "I'm living in cloud." Yes, of course, of course. But but you can hear within the conservative, the fundamentalist pastor, that there's a jealousy. There's a jealousy of the the pure excess of jouissance that this other is having, and for there me, should be sometimes. what's that? There should be a little jealousy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but the but the truth sometimes is, other people are doing better. Yeah, it's fine. No, but the beautiful thing is, and this is again, is Tommy's great thing is that the beautiful thing is when people get together, and they go, we well, of course people are having fun sometimes. We all have a bit of fun. Life is full of, you know, has fun moments, and for some more than others. But what where social solidarity comes in is whenever people can get around a table and go, yeah, but you know what? I'm having relationship difficulties. I have sexual difficulties. I have, yeah, I've got loads of money and still I'm terrified that I'm gonna lose it all. I have a relationship with somebody I really desire and terrified they're gonna leave me or I can't 
do this or I can do that. Like, and whenever I realize that the other has struggles, just like me, it creates social solidarity. And I think it creates the basis for a healthier society and a society in which we can kind of create more equality. Anyway, that's my argument. It's a great argument, everybody. Thank you so much. <laughs>